Cutting Through Tech, Season 2, Episode 6. Eliminate App Failure, The Secrets to a Great Beta Program. Welcome to Cutting Through Tech, the show all about technical strategy for women leaders today. I'm Maxime, your host, technical coach to women entrepreneurs worldwide, and you are listening to season two, which is all about mobile apps. Now, 79% of apps that people download are abandoned after the first day. And we've talked a little bit about this in the last few episodes. Um, What are the reasons that people don't really use or download the apps that are out there in the world? And one of them is that they don't perceive the value of the app. And if you want to hear more about that, check out our last episode. But today we are looking at the other set of reasons, which is all about the experience of the app. People say, okay, the app crashes, it has a slow load time, the interface is inconsistent, and in general, they just have a really poor experience using it. Now, I'm here to tell you that you can prevent all of this. This is completely preventable with a good testing strategy. So if you are in the midst of developing your app right now, and you don't have a testing strategy just yet, or you've heard about beta programs, test flight perhaps, and you want to know why you might need one and what you might do with it, this episode is for you. In this episode, we're talking about testing, app testing specifically, and there are a few different ways you can do that. Specifically, we'll look at what to do while you're still developing your app and what to do as you approach to getting ready to launch it, because actually the two are a little bit different. Lastly, what is a beta program? Should you have one? And how can you ensure your app launches with its best foot forward? So we've been running this show for a couple months now, and it has been an absolute pleasure. And turns out you're enjoying it too. I saw this wonderful review by Claire and I wanted to give it a shout out today. She says, love listening to these. Maxime is brilliant at breaking down often complicated tech jargon into simple, easy to digest information. It's very relatable, and her design approach is applicable for all aspects of business, not just tech. Thanks, Claire. It really does mean a lot to read that that kind of feedback, because, you know, one of the reasons I, I started Cutting Through Tech, and Menenia for that matter, is because I really want to amplify women's voices and help each other rise in technology. Still, technology is too often perceived as something that's really complicated, And it just doesn't need to be, right? And one of the side effects of that is that it holds a lot of people back from entering the space. And given that tech is heavily influencing our future, it's a bit bit of a bummer if that space isn't held and occupied by all of us. So, you know, this show is all about lowering the barrier to entry and making it super simple for everyone to get what's going on and to be a part of. So it was really a joy to read that. Thanks, Claire. If you enjoy listening to the show, leave us a review and share it with your networks. And also, don't be shy. Get in touch if there's anything you'd like to hear on the show or any questions that you might have. I'm on maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com. You know how in the introductions before, um, I, I've mentioned a few times that I've worked on this app that got a million downloads on launch. And today... I want to tell you a little bit more about how that came to be and how we managed to be successful on launch. 
basically, the team that I was a part of, we made something called SwiftKey, which was a third-party keyboard. So it was very much a tool that people would use to type better on their mobile phones, especially just when, when keyboards got introduced, it was a bit difficult for people to get the hang of and autocorrect wasn't as good as it is today. Uh, I, I'm sure we all remember damn you autocorrect, which was a whole meme thing that was happening about 10, 12 years ago. But long story short, it was an effective tool. Now, for the longest time, Apple didn't allow what we call a third party tool, like a, a separate you know, keyboard to be used on their platform. So it was a Android only situation. And then Apple said um, during WWDC, which I can't wait, that's coming up in a few weeks. It's Apple's annual event where they announce um, what's coming next in their software and in their operating systems. Um, but they announced a few years ago, right, we are adding support for this and it's coming out in September. Bear in mind, right, Apple said this in June. <laughs> and so we had to have the entire thing ready by September. Uh, that only took the other team on Android several years to make. So tasked with the impossible, we set to work. And then when it launched in September, it did really well. And it got that million downloads on day one. So how did we achieve that? And not only that, but how was it possible that this new entire new way of handling third-party tools, how is it perceived by people that were used to iOS and never had to do such a thing before? To get this keyboard installed, it took about 23 steps. I think it cycled between 22 and 23, depending on the, the version of the week that we had from Apple. Because basically you had to go into your settings. First of all, you download the app. <laughs> And normally you would expect to just start using the app. You open it and it's there, it says hi, you log in and you know, off you go. But not with a keyboard. From that moment on, you have to go into settings. You have to dig through a few layers deep. I think it was like general languages, keyboards or something like that. And then you have to actively add the keyboard. So you've downloaded it and then you need to add it. And then you get some scary messages. You have to okay all of that. And then you have to go into, say, messages or anywhere where you would type and you would have to use the little globe icon to swap between keyboards to actually get it up and running and actively switch to it. If this sounds complicated, it was. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're like, I kind of lost you a few seconds ago there. The point of it is it was indeed a complicated process, yet when we launched, 83% of people got all the way through and had the keyboard up and running in their apps. Now, <laughs> when we started the first test, I think about two and a half months before that, we had a success rate of about 12 or 13%. No one knew what to do. So we, we went to work. We made sure that that experience was as best as it could be. We were clear in the instructions we were giving people. We had good diagramming available. It was short enough that it was memorable, but also detailed enough that people knew what to do. And sure enough, when we launched, it did well. How did we do that? How did we come to the conclusion of what changes we should make and how our instructions could be better such that it was basically not really a bother for people to install something that they had never used before? Quite simply, <laughs> we tested every single week. 
Now, normally I would recommend every other week is, is just fine, but because we had only three months and a lot of work to do, um, I ended up making a prototype every single week. We would get five or so people, new and different every single time, because it was a flow for fresh users, if you will, who'd never seen it before. So every time we get a fresh batch of people and we tell them, hey, can you, can you get this up and running, right? And make adjustments, make adjustments every single time. Watch and learn. See, you know, see what they're struggling with. Try and comprehend what wasn't clear to them and then adjust. It sounds so simple and equally it sounds like maybe that's too much effort, right? You don't have time to do something like that because you're already too busy trying to make your app in the first place to actually make specific versions or builds and take the time a day or so every two weeks, set it aside and talk to about five people, 45 minutes an hour each, and see what they're struggling with. But let me tell you, you need to do this. If you are not doing this, I can guarantee you, you're going to fall in that bucket of 79% of apps that get discarded after just one day because you're not going to optimize the experience for people who are on their couch, at home, alone, trying to work out how to use your application. You know how the gadgets that you always see on Amazon and you order them full of hope thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And it comes through your door and you realize there's no instruction leaflet. There's basically nothing there. You have no idea how to use it. You faff with it for a little bit. Uh, You look at some reviews and it's just a bit of mystery. And basically, if you can't get it working in in under 10 minutes, you know it's going back in that box and you end up just returning it. It's easier than trying to find a way to use this or give it a new home or basically have to deal with this application. And that is exactly what people go through when they download apps as well, except it's even easier to return. You just press and hold and then click X and sure enough, it's deleted from your phone. So why would people struggle through a crappy app? Bottom line is, it is incredibly important to get that experience right. So make sure that you test regularly. You set aside about half a day every two weeks and you know you give them a task. Whatever it is that your app does, purchase a piece of clothing, track your, track your period. We talked about that last week. Say with Amazon, you know, find a book and buy it. Whatever the main goal is, ask them to do that and then sit back and observe. And the three questions you want to ask yourself are, Is it clear for people what they should be doing? Does it look like people are confused by any part of this process? And could they do this on their couch at home with no extra help? If you make this a practice in the development process, I will promise you that it will massively improve the experience and it will shape your app for the better. Once you've done that, the core experience over time basically is more or less set in stone, right? So now what? Now we move on to the second phase of testing because every software has bugs and you want a lot of people to test it to iron out those those little kinks, which we call edge cases. I think we've all experienced an app where um, you use it and it just crashes, which means it flashes and then kind of dies (laughs) or restarts or you get a blank screen or things were just not working. You're pressing a button, it's not listening, you're trying to fill something out, it doesn't go through, and it's very, very frustrating. The easiest way to get to the bottom of all of this is by running a beta program. 
So what is a beta program? Now, it is giving your app to a select number of people who have access to it, and you can gather early feedback. Kind of like, you know when people launch books and then obviously first an editor looks at it and all that stuff, but then they send out the books to like, I don't know, 30 odd friends or something in their community to give it a read and give feedback about what they thought about it. So it's a bit like asking a small community to proofread your app for you. It's something that's baked in and available on Google Play and Apple. On Apple's platform, it's called Test Flight. So if you've heard that going around, that, that's what that is. And you can manage uh, in the same portal, if you will, that you were to manage your app, you can manage the beta version of it. And so you can choose who you give access to, some kind of list of email addresses, and then they can sign in and they get first dibs. Now, what are the benefits of running this? We talked about the first one. Um, by getting more people to use it, you expose the app to a range of different situations where it might behave a bit differently than expected, which is a good thing because you'll find that people are going to run into these bugs and you can kind of capture them and fix them and nip it in the bud before it goes out to the masses, right? But also, it is actually a really nice promotional tool, if you will, to give people a benefit of, for example, having joined your mailing list a few weeks ago or a few months ago, or also giving it to press or PR who get to explore your app and use it so they can really see the value and possibly start promoting it ahead of time. So see it as a double whammy and definitely something you want to include in your development and launch strategy. Now, let me break down how it works in about four steps. First of all, you need to get your group of people. And selecting people is interesting because what you ideally want are people that you know are going to give you good feedback. And ideally, people within your your target customer demographic However, also, you know, varied enough a little bit that you you expose your app to a number of different types of situations. How do you find these people? Well, I always say, you know, you want to start having a site, a landing page several months before you're launching your app. And ideally, basically, when you start development on your app, you need to start promoting your app as well. So hopefully you've collected some people on a mailing list and One of the ways to reward them, if you will, is by giving them this, you know, this beta access. So find a bunch of people, including friends, family, but also your target customer, most importantly. And then you want to make one very important adjustment to your app. So step two is put in a crash report feature. Some platforms bake this in for you, but ideally you want um, you want to put in a little trigger So it's really easy for people to add feedback or add any crashes or problems with your app. If you have the right analytics in place, when something goes down, you'll be able to see it. So every day you can log into your analytics dashboard and see, okay, we've had eight crashes today. And your developers can really dig in and figure out, okay, where did it go wrong? Likely they won't have any access to people's data. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But every crash report includes something called a stack trace. Long story short, it will tell you kind of where in the code it went wrong. So hopefully people can find it and fix it. So now that you've added a crash report feature and, you know, a few ways to capture feedback and analytics into your app, you want to publish it to your people 
you know, that signed up or, you know, you want to give access to, you want to publish it onto Google's Play Store or Apple's beta platform, TestFlight. You want to create a account with the platforms and you would need to do this anyway because that's also how you will submit your app onto the store in the future. Except now you're doing it a little bit early and instead of the full-fledged app going to the whole wide world, you are just uploading and releasing your beta platform. So step three, you're publishing it through the platform. And then four, you want to observe issues as they come in. Like I mentioned earlier, you'll be able to see analytics come and trickle in, but also you really want to reach out to your beta program audience and contact them and follow up. Ask them how are they finding the experience? Uh, was there anything that went wrong for them? Anything they were surprised by? Anything they'd like to see improved? Because honestly, this is one of your last chances to really iron out those kinks before it goes live, live properly, right? And then really, it's just, you're gonna update the app, you're gonna fix some of those issues and you're gonna rinse and repeat. By the time that you release, your app should be really solid and stable. This way you minimize chances of people leaving your app when they download it. If you think about it, if you are spending a lot of time, energy and effort or even lots of money promoting your app to the press, to PRs, maybe using paid ads, it'd be such a waste for people to walk away in just a few minutes because something in the app didn't work. By putting a solid beta program testing strategy in place, you can avoid usually around 80% of the obvious issues and crashes that most people would encounter on first use. So let's look at the main points again, right? A, you want to run a beta program. It's where a select number of people that you've chosen have access to a early version of your app before the rest of the world. The main reason you do that is to get early feedback and to figure out where, you know, where the skeletons in the closet are for this particular app. You can publish this on both platforms, on Apple and on Google Play. And you want to make sure you make a few little adjustments to your app so that you are notified of, you know, anytime something goes wrong, like a crash or any other analytics that is important to your particular project. And then as you observe the issues, you know, you fix them, you rinse and you repeat. You also want to make sure that you stay in touch with people so you can dig deeper on any issues that they may encounter. Now, how long should you run one for? I would say at least two iterations. So however long an iteration takes for you, um, but probably around six to eight weeks. So that gives people plenty of time to get stuck in, to really use it on a, you know, day-to-day -day basis for you to get that feedback, to make those improvements and to then do it one more time. And that's it, you know, that is testing. Um, like I said at the beginning, it is not rocket science. It's just, it's a practice you wanna be aware of and you want to know the few adjustments you need to make in your process and in your schedule so you can really accommodate for it and learn from it along the way. But trust me when I say most apps are abandoned purely because people have not spent the time and energy just on that little bit of extra polish that really goes a long way. But I know that you're not gonna be one of them, right? You're gonna test and you're going to be some of the very successful apps out there on the store. If you are serious about your app and you are still 
in the earlier phases of all of this and you want to know what a testing strategy could look like for your project, we can also have a chat one-on-one. You can book some time with me for a strategy session on my website, minenia.com. Now, that's what I have for you today. And next episode is going to be a fun one. It's something I get asked about all the time, which is how do I find a co-founder or a CTO? And I have a lot to say on that. But for that, you'll need to stay tuned for the next episode. So subscribe to Cutting Through Tech if you want that to land into your podcasting inboxes when it hits on Tuesdays. For now, I'm wishing you a wonderful day and see you next time.